confession. Really wrestled with whether to share this one or not. Um, but my garage is a mess. And as an Enneagram 3 who cares about image, I don't know if I wanted you to see my garage. Like, I really did wrestle through this. Some of you Enneagram 3s might resonate or others. Um, but my garage is a mess. Like, this is a part of it. It's a detached garage from the house, so it's easy just to, you know, close it up, walk away. We don't park a car in it. Probably like, I don't know, 95% of Americans. Like we have these garages for cars, and we just don't use them. Um, but I was struck this week differently by this mess of a garage. There's definitely some useful items in here. Like, there are things that get used. I would like to say the, the rower gets used more than it actually does, but it gets used. The bikes get used. We love taking the girls on bike rides. The backpacks get used. I mean, there's stuff in here that gets used and, and gives life in so many ways. And then I think about, like, these little bags down here on the bottom. Like, that is, so my most of my life was spent playing soccer, and then I would coach goalkeepers and coach soccer, and I had all this training gear and all this stuff. I haven't trained a goalkeeper for eight years now, and, like, I still have all the gear. I think about this scooter. You can, I mean, it's kind of mixed in there, but right here in the middle, there's a, like an electric, like a Vespa type thing. Picked it up for super cheap. All it needed was like a little, uh, excuse my language, but like the kickstart deal. And uh, just had to throw that on and here you go. It's been sitting there for about four years now, right? Like, I mean, just clearly I, I, don't, I don't need it. If above our garage over here, there's like, you know, a little shelf and there's just boxes of stuff. Half of it, you know, probably we'll use again someday. The other half, if not more, we will probably never use. Like our garage is just filled with stuff. Again, some things that are very useful and important that we will use and gives life, and plenty that does not. Do you have any rooms like this? It might be your garage. It might be the trunk of your car. It might be the Inevitable drunk, junk drawer that we all say we're not going to have, but somehow junk just finds its way into it. Like you can barely close it, and other times like stuff's falling behind. Like, number of areas in your life. Do you, do you have anything like this? Jesus once was talking to a man who wanted his brother to share his inheritance with him. And Jesus replied with, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He goes on to tell a story of a farmer who just has a great year, a bumper crop type year. He has so much extra that he doesn't know what to do with it other than to tear down his barns that he already has and not everything fits. So he's just going to build bigger barns. And then he'll say to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Then Jesus turns the story and says, tonight the farmer dies. After building these barns, the farmer unexpectedly is dead. What then happens to all that he owns? Luke 12, 21, Jesus finishes with this. This is how it will be with whoever stored stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. That took a turn. How do you view your possessions? The things that you own, the things that you have, the things that you're hoping to achieve, to gain. For me, as I look at my excess, not just the garage, 
a common justification for half the stuff is, well, what if we need it in the future? Or we wouldn't want to have to pay for it again later on down the road. Do you say that every once in a while? It's like the, hey, honey, what do we do? It's like, well, you know, we just pray on that, and, you know, we're going to need it 10 years from now for sure. Like, we're, we're definitely going to need that. But how much of that statement is a statement of lack? Of fear that I will not have enough in the future or I will not have means again. So we're in week two of our series called The Others. Experiencing God through helping other people. And a big part of this as we work through this seven-week series is there will be a pinnacle, and that pinnacle will be that we will those who want to be present will show up in a room and we'll talk through what are the ways that Midtown is called in this next year to mercy, compassion, and justice here in Tower District? What is, it, what is the outworking of us being a gathered body? And a big part of this centers around words that Jesus continues to confront us with. Like, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. What you do for the poor and the marginalized and the forgotten and the outcast, what you do for them is what you do for me. And when you don't do anything for them, you're essentially doing nothing for me. Then the series is aimed at picking different topics each Sunday, which help us explore the, the, the calls of Jesus to a life with him, but how that oftentimes comes through other people, and oftentimes helping other people. But then there's this often this weird thing where it's, I think we actually gain more than the people we might even be trying to help. That we actually might be helping ourselves in some weird way. And I think this was the issue that Jesus had with the farmer and his excess barns. The larger barns that he wanted to build. See, he was owned by his possessions and his life would fall short of actually experiencing God through others. Because he had enough. He could put his feet up. He could be merry and drink wine and have an overabundance of what he actually needed. Because Jesus goes on to say this. He continues this thought. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need him, need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where there no, there's no thief that comes near and no moth destroys. And ever popular for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The call that Jesus throws in the middle of this is sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now what we see here is an invitation to generosity. Generosity is a topic that we see throughout all of Scripture. In the very beginning, as Adam and Eve found themselves in the garden, as God was generous to create and give everything they would ever need, greed crept in. 
to say that I have everything that I need, everything here that, that God thinks and knows because he loves me, but yet I still need more. This invitation to generosity is one that is both freely received and then freely given. It's an abundance-type view on life, even when things may be scarce. That though I do not have much, I have much more than what this will never give me. There is an, an abundance, and this is a worldview that Jesus enters into, oftentimes talking to people of poverty and oppression. People amongst these crowds with nothing, still hearing the words of sell your possessions and give to the poor. This is a relative topic. As we all sit here and maybe hear that we are in the wealthiest nation ever, I'm sure many of us can come to mind very quickly, well, other people are more wealthy. Right? No matter where we're at, when is enough? Where is the line? When do I have enough? And this idea of selling our possessions and giving to the poor, I think we all probably receive it differently. We're all coming from different perspectives. And maybe you hear this and, and you think, man, I've earned everything that I have and I need to protect it. Like this, this, is, this is mine. Other, other people, they just, they need to work harder. They, they need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. If they could do that, then nobody would be poor. People just need to get it together and stop receiving handouts. What I don't want to do is be generous because then they will take advantage of all that I have gained, all that I have done. Or maybe you see the harm and the oppression that happens to the poor and you care very deeply about it and you want to see it change, but it's more about putting the right person in office. It's more about voting for the right person that's going to put the right systems in place that is going to lift all oppression and end poverty. And if I can fight for that and get that right person, all will be well. But my generosity to the poor, that's not going to make a difference because these systems are broken. And until that person gets into office, then my generosity is for none. Or maybe you're genuinely struggling right now and you identify as the poor. You need someone to enter your life generously in a number of ways. You need the social structures to shift and it's hard for you to even imagine living generously right now. To each person, across the board, he says this. And I think this is the central theme to this text. In 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid. Your Father loves you so much and will give you more than you could ever gain on your own, more than you could ever hold on to, more than you could ever shove into however many garages you end up with. And two questions here struck me. I wonder how oftentimes I feel like I don't have enough. And I wonder how oftentimes you don't feel like you have enough. In the wealthiest nation in history, as we sit here pretty well-dressed, you know, we have sound equipment that costs plenty of dollars. I mean, we could just sit here and go through a list. I wonder how often throughout the weeks, throughout the days, how often do you feel like you don't have enough? Because I know for me it's a lot. I feel like I don't have enough constantly. Because there's always someone next to me with more. Always. 
into each of us in that sense. This text says that God will provide everything that you actually need. See, it's unrealistic to say that you will never worry or have fear about this or that. It's not some dismissive push to say, stop worrying. Like, I think we will. We will, we will constantly worry about these things. Do we have a roof over our head? Do we have food to eat? All these different things. A lot of stresses we probably put on ourselves by, by going after more. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing, by the way. But I wonder how much of us can just sit with the trust that God knows exactly what we need and he'll give us more than we could ever go get on ourselves. And the second question, I wonder how much you are told that you aren't enough. And I wonder if that one drives it even more. That our possessions, our status, the way people view us, the things that we go after in life, I wonder how much of that is connected to and you don't feel like you are enough. And again, I know for me this is constant. I mean, 95% of my life has been spent in athletics. Like that is a world where you are never enough. Even when you're at the top. One bad swing, one bad kick, one bad hit, you fall to the bottom. You are never enough. Do any of you feel that this morning? David Benner in his book, Surrender to Love, says this, The Christian God wants the intimacy of our friendship, not our fear. The Christian God comes to us with gestures of breathtaking love, hoping to eliminate our fear, not manipulating us through it. See, what I hope we walk out of here with this morning is that we realize that a call to a generous life is empowered by a generous God. Generous is not, generosity is not something that we have to sit here and muster up all the time. It is not something that we can conjure or manufacture because I guarantee you the drift that we will find in culture is that we never have enough to ever be generous with. We need people to continue to be generous to us. But when we actually step into the, the invitation that God has been generous to us, God has given us everything that we will ever need and he will continue to do so. That, that vastly looks different than what we probably think it should. Can we start at a place that says God is a generous God and he is so generous with his love? Like if we start there, his love, his mercy, his compassion, things that you can never gain or store or purchase. And I wonder, how do we measure these things? In a culture where we never have enough, in a culture where there is always more, how do we measure when we have garages, when we have junk drawers, when we have ambition, when we have careers that we want to grow in? Like how do we, how do we measure our generosity? Look, I can't tell you what to do. I, 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 don't, I don't even think there's just this magical formula. Like, here's what everything, everyone needs to do. I'll save all the details for another sermon another day. But I had a couple thoughts here. How do we measure this? One is it's not always about money. Generosity is not always money. And I'll talk about that in a second, and then we're going to invite Anthony up for a conversation. Generous is not always about money. At some point, generosity will feel risky to you. That when the economics of the kingdom turn our life upside down, the invitation that Jesus has for us, it will feel risky. It, feel, it will feel like you're one foot off of a ledge. It, it, it will feel like the bottom might fall out from under you. And that is a scary and vulnerable place to be. And lastly, there's probably many more, you will be moving towards others. Generosity looks like moving towards other people. Oftentimes, people who can't give you anything back. That there is no return for you for, from these people. 
whoever that is. So generosity is not always about money. At some point, it will feel risky, and you will move towards other people, especially those who cannot pay you back. So I wonder this morning, like if you think about your life, if you think about the things that you have, if you think about what God has gifted you with, you think about the things that you're ambitious for, like, again, I don't think there's the number, like no one should make more than, no one should make more than this, no one should have just this many houses, no one should, like, I don't think there's a number somewhere. Like, don't, like, everything is relative, there's no way. Jesus is calling rich people to this, and Jesus is calling poor people to this. Like, what, what do you do with that? But I would say, if you look across the board at other people in probably your socioeconomic tier, maybe if you look across at your income level, maybe you look at your, the, the, the social location you came from and maybe the privileges that you had, if, if you kind of look and maybe across the board, are you more generous than those people? Like, let's start there. Are you more generous than the person standing next to you? That could be a starting point. Like, let's start there. Or are they just the people that we're competing with and trying to gain more than? And again, it's not always just about money. Are we actually generous with other people and their thoughts and different worldviews and opinions on things? Are we, are we generous with just open conversation and listening to other people? Are we generous in giving people time and slowing down and looking them in the eye and listening to what they have to say? Are we generous in sitting present with people when they are in pain? Are we generous with others? And I think also it is our possessions. It is the things that we have. How, how, are, how are we a pass-through? You know, oftentimes we talk about a tithe in church, and again, a different message for a different day. But oftentimes it kind of stacks the chips to say, well, you know, 10% God, the 90% mine. I think what, what God calls us to is everything is his. How, how are we a pass-through moving towards other people that, that we are actually experiencing God in the way that he says we will when we are generous with other people? And maybe it's with our careers. Like, maybe it's not the next promotion that's going to ask you to work more. Maybe it is just staying where you're at and making a little bit less because you actually have time for other meaningful things. Lead towards. I mean, we can just keep going through every category of life. Like, we can live out generosity in so many ways. So, let's have a conversation about that. Um, I'm going to invite Anthony up here in a second from Tower Blends. And this conversation today really sparked from seeing someone, him and his wife, Yami, um, have a business here in Tower that I think is living out generosity in so many ways. And again, it's one way. It's how they've been called to it. But I think they will help us kind of expand our view of how we can be generous um, with the things that God has called us to and given to us. Um, so, if we can welcome up Anthony Iodele, um, that would be great. And then we're just going to have a little combo, a couple chairs. We'll grab that mic, yep. If you hold down the bottom button, it should turn on boom hello 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 yeah good okay um so i let's just chat uh Nancy and i got to know each other um actually i think andrew file may have been the very first connection he was like hey there's these you know people doing great stuff through their business and tower right, go right. connect with them see what they're up to uh 
I, we could go through the things that you guys have been doing through your business. We don't need to name all of them. I think early on you guys were doing um, some literacy mentoring and Reading training. Circle. Reading yeah. Circle. There you go. Um, so they're located just right across the street from Tower Theater here on Olive uh, and a great place. Like if you ever need healthy food, this is where you go. Uh, so you cannot complain that there's no healthy food out there. Um, but there's just been so many different things that you all have done through your business, and it is, it's unique. It strikes me because, and I, I want you to start with this, um, business is all about profit. Yeah. Business is all about the more money you can make, the better you're doing, like, let's keep going. Uh, and there's a part in here which says you're choosing to do some other meaningful things that not only drive, don't drive profit, but you actually give more money away because of them. Yeah. Um, can you say more about that? Um, thank you, first of all, for the message. Um, and one of the key things that stood out in the message to me was the word kingdom. Mm. Um, I feel that a lot of the information that was presented by Jesus when he was teaching mm. was this idea of a kingdom. And I've grown in my understanding, you know, and this will go back to the business eventually, but... Um, <laughs> I've grown in my understanding of what that message meant. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because one of the first motivations of even doing Tower Blends um, was the idea that we needed a place to go and just fellowship with my family. Mm -hmm. um, Saturdays became that day where I didn't want to go to work. I don't call me, I'm with my family. And we would drive around and try to find a place to go and hang out. My thing with my children and my family is books and reading said, okay, we got to find a place to go read. So Barnes & Noble was on Saturdays, we'll go read. But it was there, but it wasn't connected. So we started going around and, and, and um, we were already in the Tower District and we saw Cindy's Frozen Yogurt. We went in there and we said hello and Man, this would be a great place for us to just come and hang out. The kids love the yogurt, why not just come in here and hang out? And that transformed into let's come here, read with our kids, invite mm -hmm. our friends to come over, and we'll all just hang out on Saturdays because we all need a place to go on a Saturday morning with our children. Let's come in here and read. And that turned into reading circle mm -hmm. um, because people were like, oh, yeah, let's come and read on a, on a Saturday. But the kingdom part of it became how do we, through just what we normally do every single day, provide a place or an environment that is non-judgmental, it's all-inclusive, there's a common thread of we're all interested in this one thing, mm -hmm. but there's also that ministry and that kingdom work behind it as well, right? Like we're expanding the purpose or the message by just doing what would normally come naturally. Yeah. And I think for me, that line, that crossover is always there it's just, we have to be intentional about saying, I want to sacrifice whatever it is my interest is because my interest is his interest. And if I'm doing that thing that comes naturally to me, I will be, will, I will be serving him by doing it. Yeah. 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 So reading came naturally. Mm -hmm. Reading with my children came naturally. Yeah. Then it became, let's expand that and make it more available so that more people can become a part of that. Yeah. And that's generosity because my time was devoted to doing that and I just wanted more people to have that experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. And it was thinking about, like, what is God doing in your life that you're passionate about, that you've been gifted for, like those kind of things. And, like, what does it look like to keep running with that for, for the sake of others? Exactly. And even in doing that, it transformed into, okay, now 
this place is available and what do you do with that? Yeah. So that became another project where we had to sit down and think about it and say, okay, how much time and energy would we have to devote to this? Yeah. And the initial part was, let's keep the Saturday thing going. And now there's a business involved. How do we tie that idea of this is a passion of ours, this is something we already enjoy doing, yeah. but instead of doing it for the purpose of profit, let's just do it because we know other people will be attracted to this, just like a meeting thing. Yeah. We know this will benefit us, yeah. so why would we not extend that thing to benefit others? Yeah. And if the profit is not the primary motivation, and it's just about doing it because it's what you would normally do, what's yeah. already a passion of yours, yeah. if you drive, I think one of the principles that I learned through this is be of value. Create something of value first, and then profits and recognition will come. Yeah. But the in first intention is be of value. And if that's your primary motivation, you never really have to worry about yeah. money. Yeah, be, be of value to others in, in regard to yeah. you offer, yeah. yeah. So so I'm curious, like if we just narrowed in, because you know, I think about like, we've been able to partner on some cool stuff. So like, I know like the, uh, Anthony took a, a group of young men, um, this was, I guess that was last summer. I mean, that, or even- Just with a purpose. Yeah, <laughs> and like we partnered because we were like, hey, we're doing this, this fasting thing. Why don't we do a cleanse slide along it? But then he took this group and they learned how to basically start a business with juice, juicing. And they had to make labels, they had to market it. Um, you know, somebody, and I know you have a hundred other projects like that, um, but like that costs you money and time that is not driving customers into your store necessarily. Like, how do you balance this profit and how do you, how do you balance that? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, um, you know, sometimes I'll look at the financials of it and it does not make sense on the surface, right? Like you're, you're going to lose X amount just on the idea itself, yeah. right? But the idea of losing X amount was never the, the original thought going into right. it, right? The, the, the financial part of it was not even the initial. It was just the idea. Yeah. It was the idea of, oh, this is necessary. I need this. Yeah. This community needs this. Yeah. I have the means to be able to do it. So I'm going to do it because it's a value that's going to be added. And then through this process, everything gets, gets yeah. taken care of, yeah. you know, yeah. the bills get paid, the needs are met. And I feel like oftentimes that's the challenge of faith is that we all have these ideas that we can do mm -hmm. and it's going to cost us something. Mm -hmm. Either it's our Saturdays or it's whatever financial obligation it is, or it's taking time away from something you'd rather be doing, the football game, you, whatever. Yeah. But you're doing it not because you know there's going to be a financial reward or you're going to feel good about yourself because it's a necessity. Yeah. And I think oftentimes the whole idea of the kingdom comes back into this because every one of us was created for a purpose, mm -hmm. right? And when our creator made us, he had an intention. There was something, a problem that needed to be solved in order for us to be made. So he made you to solve that problem, right? So then he puts you in that environment and he gives you ideas. Those ideas are the things that need to be solved. Right? Mm -hmm. That's why he made you. You're here to serve a purpose. Just like the keyboard has a purpose, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So if that thing is not here serving its purpose, there's no music in here. Yeah. We're all purpose That's good. people. We're created by our creator because yeah. there was a need. Yeah. Adam was made because God was like, all, all, all this
this is good, but I'm yeah. not going to release the ring because I don't have a man to work the land. The earth. Yeah. So yeah. you have to make man to serve the purpose. We are in that same replica. Yeah. So if the intent and the idea is there and it's because of my purpose, if I do that idea or if I do that work, then it's almost like he's responsible for that, but yeah. not me. That's good. So as long as I'm obedient to doing what is asked of me, yeah. regardless of what the financial grain is, yeah. he will add on the value that's good that's really good right. yeah well th that shift of responsibilities i know oftentimes we can think about the things that we want to go do or it's passionate about and then the the fears the the denial i mean all the different things that we start to get insecure about right. and i think oftentimes it's the pressure to say well this outcome if i fail but then in the kingdom the, the measurement of failure is much different in this this kingdom of generosity exactly yeah so, and, and I'm not going to get you in trouble to speak for, yeah, I mean, you don't need to speak for her, but I'd be curious of, I can't remember if I brought my phone up. Um, anybody have the time on them? My phone is not up here. Whew, okay, so final question. I would be curious of, in this work, and what you guys have been doing, from, from beginning to start of Tower Blends, like, how has your life transformed in stepping into this kind of unknown, generous business model that you all have been called to and stepped into? How have you transformed? It's been, it's been like, almost like a weight has been lifted, right? Because now when these opportunities and the ideas come, I've been trained to understand it's going to work out. Yeah. And it, it, my measure of success is no longer based on what I can see, yeah. right? My measure of success is based on how obedient was I. To the call that's good right yeah. so if i was called to do something and i do it i'm no longer responsible for the outcome he is so success is built in <laughs> yeah. right it's regardless of what my measure of uh, success is it's yeah. his measure of success so if i'm obedient that's my measure of success yeah. was i obedient did i do it did i do it to the best of my ability yes 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 then i release it yeah. everything else is his yeah that's good that's good one encouragement to someone who's sitting on the fence with something. I want to be generous with this. I want to let go of this. I feel convicted in this area this morning. Like, what's one encouragement to say? Take a step. What do you have to lose? You have more than you can use in a lifetime. You already do. Yeah. Within you right now, you have more than you can already use in a lifetime. What do you really have to lose? Yeah. That's good. So much to gain. Uh, can I pray for your business and it's all that you all are up to? And you, why don't you guys join me in prayer and then uh, I'll wrap up for about a minute and why don't the ministry team or the, um, the band and prayer team kind of start coming forward. Um, yeah, so just join me in prayer. So Father, we just lift Auntie and Yami up to you. Um, even their sweet boys. Uh, just so thankful for um, just the life that they bring to so many people. Uh, through just who they are, just their gentleness, their, um, their servanthood, the, uh, just the, the desire to love people, and then also just through the life, through bringing healthy food, um, oftentimes to those who cannot live a healthy food lifestyle. Um, 
And then all that happens through their business, just this ability to step into something that says profit is not the number one thing. There is a balance because there is a profit in which does get given away. Uh, so I ask you to continue blessing that. As they're faithful and obedient to um, everything that you've given them to steward, uh, I pray that as their profit increases, their generosity increases. Uh, so may that continue. May that continue to just lead to the transformation of the work that's happening in Tower and our community. Um, and may you just continue to show ways in which our relationship can continue to grow. Uh, ways that we can partner in uh, the work that you've called them to. Um, so we just pray that today is just a blessing to them, that they are reminded of how much you love them, uh, that generosity is an outflow of the, the generousness that you have extended to each of us. Uh, so may they feel that this morning. May they be renewed in this mission, as I know it's not easy. Um, yeah, so God, may Anthony and Yami know that they are loved uh, by you and loved and appreciated by so many in our community. Um, may you just bless them. In the name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, well, why don't we stand? We're going to go into a song together. And then we will do our thing from here. I want to make sure I don't steal your music. Because you might need it. It would be weird to sing my sermon. Be more weird if I did it. Um, so let's do this. I just want us to hear this. <clears throat> the book of Romans, Paul writes in chapter 8, verse 32. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? It is the generosity of God that he has pursued us generously that we know that no matter what we do, no matter how much, we, whatever it is, if we're listening to his voice, if we're open to what he's calling us to, that he will continue to provide as he always has. Eugene Peterson says, the whole point of being a person of faith is not to be as comfortable as possible, but to live as deeply and thoroughly as possible right where you are. And I pray that over us this morning, individually, collectively, like I can, if we dream, like, what's three years, five years, ten years from now, like, if we just continue to grow in generosity, and this isn't, like, I don't, like, don't quit your business, like, keep going, keep doing what you're doing, but how does the lens shift to say, God, you've given me this job, you've given me these skills, you've given me, whatever it is, how can I continue to move towards other people, knowing that I will continue to move towards you through generosity? May we grow with open-handedness the things that God has given us, again, individually, but also as a church. May people point to Midtown and say, they reached into my life when I needed it most. They are a people of generosity that does not make sense. Can we be a light of generosity? The call to a generous life is empowered by a generous God. God loves you so much. God has given us all so much.